I've decided I'm into music again, guys, because Fallout Boy has put out a new album. Oh, I uh, thought you were into the broken social scene. <laughs> I, I don't know what that is, the, the, but I think we talked 19, about it. But uh, the nineteen-person band oh, that we oh talked about. Yeah, I, about <laughs> like, I feel like this came up somehow, but yeah, uh, no, too many members. Sorry, I'm out. <laughs> if, I'm not gonna listen to I Brian. I'm like, not gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna give credence <laughs> to Brian Setzer's orchestra, and I'm not gonna give credence <laughs> to that. Uh, I, I mean, I was just thinking about that after being at your house on Friday, just like appalled by how many members there were in the broken social scene. Like, how do you, uh, who are they like all Nepo babies? Like who, how do you make money off of that? Yeah. How's that even like, work? Like, even if you were a successful <laughs> band, like nobody would make any money. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's like intentionally like not making money, you know? And like broken social scene to me is like the band that you'd hear in all of the indie movies in the mid aughts, like Juno and stuff, like <laughs> I, I like associate it with that, you know, like yeah, they were time. around, but my God, splitting in nineteen ways is um, mm-hmm. is something. It's either that or someone's just so many people are getting like ridiculously ripped off. Like it's like yeah, like yeah. there's nothing good that comes out of like a nineteen person band, right? Well, there's <laughs> three people or one guy more likely who's like on contract with the label, and everyone else gets session fees. And everyone like, else is like the Fiverr, yeah. the, the yeah. Fiverr musicians. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember like uh, in the early aughts uh, when Slipknot came out. And having people tell me they're like Slipknot and maybe in like nerd. But they're like, no, dude, they got like 10 drummers when they play. I'm like, that's too many drummers. <laughs> like, that's too many. Like, that's, that's nine too many to be exact. Like, you got it. I no, love those gimmicks, those too. It's There's too always much. like music gimmicks that like people yeah, will like cite as, as like something that's like commendable or like, you know, that should yield respect, you know? Your teen boy mentality about music is, yeah, mm-hmm. is very susceptible to gimmickry. You yeah. should like, so the, the limit, the absolute limit should be five and you should be allowed to go to six with a special note from a judge. Like you have to, <laughs> you have to go to like, I don't know, like a federal court and plead your case in front of a judge appointed by like Ronald Reagan in 1983. <laughs> and he gets to decide whether or not you get to have a six member, you know? Like, so is basically like the Federalist Society, like get to control? Yeah, that's something I would actually let them control is whether yeah. bands get to have a six member or not. Cause I, <laughs> just because I know I'm pretty sure they're going to rule no on all of it. And I, like, and I agree Neil, with that. Neil Gorsuch uh, is just like, yeah. that that's like his main hearings. <laughs> hell yeah I mean why do you need so many members Fallout Boy they only got four and they seem to be doing fine so yeah. very <laughs> uh, true I only heard the one song off the new album and it wasn't very good so I don't know why <laughs> I don't know why I'm caping for him so hard right now <laughs> <laughs> I heard the it one song like it was like most... it was a Fallout Boy song yep yeah I mean <laughs> That is like a really funny bit you're doing, Brian, but building up your whole like, you know, like anti-music brand for years and then throwing it all the way for like a shitty like return album for Fall Out Boy. <laughs> That's really fucking sad. <laughs> well, kind of makes you wonder like what the financial situation must be over there at Boy. Welcome back to Mechanical Freak, that podcast on the bleeding edge of neoliberal dystopia. Today, Greg, Brian, we are back 
on the boat slash land slash New York City. <laughs> the digital uh, that's boat. That's right. <laughs> the digital boat uh, <laughs> where we sail into the digital ocean and buy some NFTs. That's right. <laughs> we are back in our normal format. Uh, it was great to see you guys the last two weeks. You know, a special two-timer uh, podcast on the boat in person. And yeah, the you know, not I'm, a series of tubes. It's a boat. <laughs> That's where everybody gets it wrong. And look, uh, we're declaring right now jihad against Zencaster because they're trying to charge us $18 a month now to record this podcast, if you guys can believe You're it. You're literally ticking the timer in front of me. We have 114 minutes left for the month. Oh for the my month. God, we better record faster. We started <laughs> We started at 120 and like it's literally just we're, like taunting me in my face. Like we have to We're not going to make it. We're not no. going to make it. Well, I'm saying instead of paying 18 a month, maybe we could pay like 21 a month and they can make each one of our video feeds look like a, a portal, a porthole, you know, like on a boat. So that way we're on our digital boat with our digital portholes looking at each maybe, other. Maybe we like actually like become active on Instagram and like start recording ourselves and doing like the, you know, kind of like how Joe Rogan, like, you know, records himself on the podcast, like. We now have to like like splice it together for our promotional like <laughs> material and stuff. We can't like let people see the video now. Yeah, we do have a video feed. We're all looking at each other right now. But just like for the exact same reason, they can't have video feeds of the Supreme Court. We can't let people see this because I see that half of us are sleeping at any one time yeah. during these recordings. Since we inexplicably shoveling choose to like, record at midnight every night. We, <laughs> shoveling like peanut butter and like bacon into our mouth and shit like while the other por- person's talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> it's called an Elvis sandwich. Okay. <laughs> you know, you go my- out the way Elvis goes out too. you know. My mom used to always tell me that Elvis uh, ate uh, peanut butter banana sandwiches or whatever. And so when I moved out and had no money, I was like, well, bananas are cheap. Peanut butter is cheap. Good enough for Elvis. Right. And you know yeah, what? Yeah. It's a pretty kick ass sandwich. I got to okay, say, I, like, I, sign maybe on he did, that. that was when he was poor. Like, you know, I know the, the classic Elvis sandwich is a giant loaf of French yep. bread filled with peanut butter, jelly and pounds and pounds of bacon. Yeah, uh, I was not about to add the bacon because, you know, look, swimsuit season's always just around the corner, guys. And (laughs) I got to keep it sleek. (laughs) Well, that's all good and gravy. But, you know, we got some real business to cover this episode, guys. We got we got to talk about uh, the business in Washington state, uh, the future of the digital frontiers and how America is uh, looking to Washington for saviorship. That's right. Uh, we're going to a quantum leap, so to speak. <laughs> Everybody strap in. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so we're talking about um, a statewide income tax in Washington. Is that right? Uh, this is the first time I'm hearing this. What what's what's going on? Um, in a seven to two decision released Friday morning, the Washington State Supreme Court upheld the Washington State Legislature's 2021 capital gain tax, which taxes stock profits over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars at a measly seven percent. It raised an estimated five hundred million dollars per year, 
for early education programs. Hey, they did it. Yeah, we did it. Uh, mission accomplished. <laughs> I'm trying to think back to like a time when like I believed in any future and like would have cared that like Washington State is taking like one small step into like better governance. I don't know. <laughs> well, it just doesn't hit the same anymore. Well, it, it should be noted. So this is from an article, The Stranger, by a friend of the show, Rich Smith. And Rich even notes at one point in the article that uh, this was more than a decade in the making to get a 7% capital gains tax on capital gains income over $250,000, which amounts to taxing like 7,000 people in the state of Washington. <laughs> Yeah, is this like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of capital, capital gain gains. per year. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. that is that so, is ludicrous. Well, that means this <laughs> means the first two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of your capital gains remains at zero taxation. Yeah, which is yeah. not taxed as income by Washington State, not just because it's capital gains, but because we also have no income tax at all here. Yeah. So. Yeah, man. I should have stayed in Washington. They, they, uh, they, they figured it out for, uh, for the, for the stockholders. You know. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As a late investor in Silicon Valley Bank, Munoz just making yeah. himself at the capital gains taxes he's going to pay in New York. You well, know? exactly. You know, my, my, uh, you know, I have Binance, uh, uh, crypto coins, and uh, Silicon Valley Bank equity. Um, you know, all, all, all smart, savvy investments, um, that now I have to pay some actual uh, capital gains tax on in, uh, in New York. So, you know, that sucks. Uh, you know, Washington, (laughs) you know, it breeds innovation because it's attracting, uh, you know, the smarts in a way, you know? Well, uh, you say that Munya, but perhaps we're actually scaring them away. So once the court said that the state legislator can apply a capital gains tax, which was a real question, I got to, you know, uh, that came up, uh, a company called Fisher Investments immediately Ooh. announced that they're pulling out of Washington. Uh, I'm going to read you just a little bit from this uh, story from KUOW here about this. A wealth management company says it's pulling its headquarters out of Washington state in the wake of the state's Supreme Court decision around capital gains taxes. In a seemingly sarcastic statement, Fisher Investments says, quote, in honor of the Washington State Supreme Court's wisdom and knowledge of the law and in recognition of whatever it may do next, Fisher Investments is immediately moving its headquarters from Washington state to Texas. Mm, Just like that. Yeah, the move is expected to be completed by June 30th. Fisher Investments is based in, and this is where we have to get a ruling on this, Camas, Washington? Anybody know what C-A-M-A-S? Yeah, sounds right. What's that town called? Camus, 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 Camus. All right. So they're going to relocate their headquarters from Camus, Washington to Plano, Texas. And my friend, that's called playing yourself right there. I don't know what the fuck Camus looks like or what its deal is. I guarantee you it's right. Plano. It's, it's Camus is basically like right next to Vancouver, Washington, which is right next to Portland. Yeah, better than Plano. I can tell you that right now. Like, uh, also these motherfuckers like going across the border to even skip out on fucking sales tax. That's yeah, like yeah. The probably why yeah, they're yeah. in Camus. That yeah. is That's the, why they're in Camus. That is the 
the like least taxed place you can be in America is basically Vancouver, Washington, because yeah. you can live in Washington State and pay no income tax and go and buy everything uh, you ever buy across the river where there's no fucking sales tax. Yeah, it's the ultimate finesse. Yeah, it's the libertarian paradise. That's probably why there's that weird private Confederate memorial right there at the border. But uh, yeah, the, so Fisher investors told the Seattle Times that they employ 1,800 people in Canvas. I feel like that cannot be possible. That's, That's a lie. Absolute lie. If Fisher, Fisher is like a pretty big investment firm in like the state of Washington, I guess. Like they're, they are, they're not like a nobody for sure. So, but... So oh. I'm not like as surprised about those numbers, but at the same time, like, you know, Oh, I could say is enjoy Plano motherfuckers. <laughs> Plano. And, I mean, look like we, we have our opinions about Dallas, but I mean, man, like that's like about a major metropolitan city, like Plano. That's like, just like what, like 30 minutes out of Dallas or something. Right. It's basically, like, yeah. It's like, it's, it's the suburb of Dallas that takes everything that's awful and alienating about Dallas and just hyper concentrates it in a one single spot, uh, which you have the beauty of the flat Texas plains, uh, the wonder of having no trees and uh, <laughs> just parking lots and strip malls. As far as the eye can see where it's just, Olive Garden, Red Robin, Olive Garden, Texas Roadhouse, you know, Olive Garden, as far as you can see, uh, as you go from McMansion to McMansion. And it is a truly uh, existentially awful place to be. French philosophers, like mid-century French philosophers, would have had a great time in Plano, like trying to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the stranger had, you know, little... Uh, more on this today, pointing out that um, in 2019, Fisher lost clients after he, uh, the CEO, Ken Fisher, made sexist remarks and tweeted that his least favorite president was Abraham Lincoln. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> hold on, hold on, Greg, Greg. Wait, this is breaking news, because does this mean the private Confederate memorial is leaving Washington? Is Dude, it that is, might be his. Is he maintaining it? That might be, be his. his. Um, that'd be interesting <laughs> to find out. Uh, Holy now, shit. It also, they also point out, uh, the stranger that is, that he actually moved to Texas years ago. Um, <laughs> of course, and does. that they haven't <laughs> announced any layoffs associated with this move. Um, and so it's like, that's why I say like the 1800 number sounds like bullshit. It's like either they have 18, either, either they have 1800 people and they're not really moving to Texas or they don't have 1800 people, you know, in, in Washington and they've already moved to Texas. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Me and uh, Ken actually switched places on a Texas-Washington exchange program back in 2005, so. Yeah. For this Forbes link I sent you has some uh, some of his uh, his unsavory tweets. What a, what a photo, man. Wow. What rocks? <laughs> oh, my God. But if you have sex with them, they either leave a lot faster or a lot slower. All depends. Risky business. Yeah, literally just talking about fucking his employees. Look, I mean, uh, 
it's it's sad to see Ken go apparently years ago. Uh, but it's hilarious that, of course, the Seattle Times would just unquestionably publish this as like, you see, this is already costing Washington state jobs. <laughs> this like just utter loathsome fucking fraud uh, who probably belongs well, in prison more than uh, in Texas. But Plano is pretty close. Capital strikes are real. Capital bluffs are also real. Yep. Well, uh Fuckum, I hope he loves Plano. Instead of living in a state where the richest pay 3% of their income in state and local taxes, while the poorest pay 18% of their income in taxes, we'll become a state where the richest pay 4% of their income in taxes, while the poorest pay 14%. Meaningful, <laughs> but not transformational. <laughs> that's the apocalyptic scenario that uh ken is talking about here is he's gonna go from paying three percent of his income in taxes to four percent of his income in taxes still significantly less than anybody I would, else i'd like to see the numbers i mean on who's actually going to get hit by capital gains over two hundred and fifty thousand a year that's that's billionaires you know mm-hmm. like that's yeah like that, that no, has to be billionaires having a good year is crazy having a good year you know yeah, I think uh, Rich says in the article it's like seven thousand people. Yeah, I mean, I mean to actually, but you know, to actually have a capital gain of two hundred fifty thousand is the biggest players, the biggest yeah. players. Yeah, it just tells tells you we've got a lot of very rich people here. Yeah, yeah. you know, there might be some people because it's a no income tax state who are parked here but don't actually live here and all that kind of stuff who might be subject to these taxes. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, just going to the point that Washington state, you know, has the most, the most in the country, uh, unequal tax system, right? That nowhere else in the country is the gap between what the poorest people pay in taxes, and the richest people pay in taxes larger, including the state of Texas, uh, which is maybe something that Ken should think about. Well, I mean, it's changing. Yeah. I mean, with this, with this, maybe that's evening <laughs> the odds between yeah, both us one percent in the other direction. I, I'm a venture guess it probably still done it. Like the last, the last time Stranger wrote about this, uh, Washington had a pretty hefty lead on everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that no politician on that press call chimed in to support even the abstract notion of an income tax shows just how much Democrats let Republicans control political narratives, despite their large and enduring majorities in state chambers. That said, it's also pretty convenient for them. Dems love big business, and big business would revolt if state leaders actually did something to threaten their perceived competitive advantage with San Francisco or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this state's been run by Democrats for a long time, uh, you know, it's, and it's yeah. the most like unequal tax system in America. So, you know, yeah, it has a more aggressive dem- taxes of the, the South, like yeah, something worth this, thinking about. Th- these are Democratic uh, part programs, you know, as much as anything else. Guys, what if we had two political parties, but there actually wasn't really a difference between the two of them <laughs> other <laughs> than kayfabe, you know? But yeah, uh, yeah, so the reason why this this taxing came up is a big deal is that uh, as, as you mentioned earlier, the the money's going to go to education, right? Particularly early education, is that Washington State's public schools and colleges are woefully underfunded. The public schools are actually criminally underfunded, according to state judges. 
And the reason why they've been like that for the last, I think, 15 years that the public schools have been officially yeah, underfunded. Remember uh, when anyone was still pretending that that mattered? Yeah, that anything would get done because of it uh, is because the state literally cannot raise any money. Like it, it is bound by uh, various strictures that, quite frankly, are all imagined. But Democrats can't do it because that'd be breaking a rule. So they can't do it. Uh, but, yeah, but, you know, yeah, they, well, I mean, the underfunding of schools, again, according to the state's Supreme Court, is a matter of like constitutional law, supposedly, right? Like that's mm-hmm. of the state constitution in, you know, that the state is in violation of its own constitution underfunding the schools. It's well, that that's same a really- document, the constitution <laughs> that supposedly, you know, uh, disallows the, the state to collect any fucking taxes. Um, yeah. One of those is allowed to just keep on going on, but they can't do the other one, right? Yeah, yeah. One of them is an immovable violation. Like you, you. There's no way you could possibly violate the rule, which is no income taxes and things like that. The other is a violation. Apparently, you can commit every year without uh, having to worry about, which is actually funding education. But yeah. it, it's worth noting that uh, the state of schools, just because the state has not funded them for a decade and a half now doesn't mean that the state of schools has gotten better or stayed the same. In fact, you'll be surprised to learn it's gotten worse (laughs) over that time period. (sighs) And um, yeah, the public schools, particularly in rural areas, are essentially falling apart. Uh, The other thing is one of the big things that gets funded through that kind of stuff is technical and community colleges. And here's where maybe I have a little personal interest in this whole thing. Uh, They're literally falling apart. Like, um, as much as all the nerds, whenever you bring this stuff up, will be like, uh, people don't need to go to college. Uh, you know, like four-year schools are done. Just go to community college or trade school. It's actually the community colleges and trade schools that are not going to exist in like 10 years. You know, they they literally are not they're falling apart. Like there's no money anywhere. They have no staff. They can't recruit students. They can't get grants. Like <laughs> they are just going to fall apart. Places like University of Washington, donors will keep them afloat. But uh the, the the fancy colleges that people like to be mad at because of culture war stuff are fine. But the community colleges they claim to like uh, are going to disappear because there's just literally no funding. Um, yeah, you know, colleges are producing like the essential grist for the only thing America like exists to produce anymore, which is cult- culture war. Yeah. And <laughs> and like, you know, a professional class of, of dweebs. Uh, Community colleges, everything that supposedly community colleges are there to uh, to produce can be produced uh, in some other country cheaper. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is that the community college stuff is that uh, if you want things like nurses, uh, that's we a don't, big clearly. Uh, yeah, we don't. Right. That's the actual answer. We're, we're yeah, just going to let the healthcare system completely collapse. I mean. Uh, the other part, I mean, it was funny when I was in Olympia doing the like lobby days or whatever for the AFT, talking to our reps or whatever and being like, look, these are the reps for like, you know, uh, Snohomish County, King County. Right. And be like, there are thousands and thousands of high paying jobs that people in your district can get that don't have college degree like requirements on them and things like that. Uh, they're just there. And all you have to do, like you don't have to build anything or anything like that. All you have to do is not shoot yourself in the foot by underfunding the actual training centers to keep those jobs here, right? And they're like, 
yeah, but like then we'd pay for something, and why do that? <laughs> like just just let it collapse, just let the whole thing collapse. Like that's literally their attitude. It's like just let it collapse. Why why have aerospace jobs? Why have uh you know like the maritime construction jobs and things like that? Why have construction jobs? Who well, cares? I, it, you like, know it's funny. Just it's don't like do it. <laughs> you, they're happy to give money directly to Boeing or directly to yeah. fucking Microsoft or Amazon in the form of tax breaks and just like our general tax structure. But I mean, Boeing, my God, like, you know, took mm-hmm. fucking 10 B's right out of the uh, state coffers. And it's another like, reason why we can't pay for education. But yeah, right. And, <laughs> and, you know, you could imagine that in a in a free market economy, uh, you know, companies would train their own fucking workforce you know you know uh so it it's you know it could be perfectly logical to say like why are we subsidizing these these um for-profit enterprises they're just fucking spending it all on stock buybacks and enriching like the stockholders and executives when they could be paying for their workforce but that's a ridiculous thing to say when you're just giving them money all the time anyway for other reasons and that makes you think that the derangement here is really just like the free market and anti-worker programming of our political class it is like like so much about the mind the wheels the algorithm of capitalism like it it's just running itself off its own track right cuz like they you <laughs> like the programming is so strong that it's just like no giving money to corporations good Funding anything a poor person could be felt or seen to benefit from can't we can't do that. It's just yeah. on that yeah. like simple basis at all. Just like the most important thing at whatever stage of capitalism we are at is the direct prosecution of class warfare. Right. Yeah. Like that's yeah. the motivating. That's what all the culture war grist is ultimately about. That's like what the what every fucking article in, you know, the New York Times or Forbes or IBD or whatever, it, it all just is coming down to that in some level of like of reinforcing the need for class warfare at the expense of like any any logic, even at this point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. without any reason behind it, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, what do you talk to these people too? they just the blank stares they give you is, you know, all you need to know about uh, any hope you should have for, for any of this stuff. Thousand mile stare. Yeah. Gotta love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like, I love that, you know, you're getting involved in your union and, you know, going down to your lobby day and it, cause it's nice for you to have another hobby, you know? It's basically it. I mean, <laughs> they, they might as well just tell you they don't give a shit and send you back out the door. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're pretty clear. They don't really care anything about what you have to say. Um, although I will there. note, it, it is funny that despite our legislature declaring COVID over, uh, your actual legislators, if you want to meet them, will demand that you wear an N95 mask and you can only come in like two at a time because <laughs> they all are deathly afraid of getting COVID. So that just put so that together ice. in your head as well. So. <laughs> that rocks, man. I love them. <laughs> you gotta love it. Uh, Honestly, that has as much, you know, because you can imagine like our executives in boardrooms like really wearing masks? No, but you know what they're also not doing? Those are people who have like agency and 
power in their workplace to like set the terms of that workplace, you know, mm-hmm. just like the legislature does. They they set the rules of how like uh, the place they work and all their employees work uh, operates, including uh, safety regulations and shit like that. But you know what executives in boardrooms are not doing? Interacting with you, Brian. Yeah. Well, no, I don't have to interact with the pores ever. But the the legislature is an open fucking public building and people fucking grubby ass petitioners are in there fucking (laughs) coughing on them all day long. So put those two things together. Oh, yeah. And uh, you're wearing the fucking masks. No, it's very clear that COVID has taken on the same thing that all contagious diseases have is that it's uh, taken on a very particular class nature in that the wealthy have convinced themselves that it's a disease of poverty, uh, that the poor essentially have it through immorality and a lack of closeness to God, unlike them. Uh, So when interacting with each other, they don't need these precautions. But around the poor, you need them because the poor are filthy animals, you know, bugs, essentially, that you just, you know, try not to step on unless they get on your shoe, you know, but disease ridden bugs, too. Right. I mean, you know, (laughs) fits perfectly with germs. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, never more apparent than when you uh, deal with your legislators or deal with, uh, I'm sure, people like Ken Fisher and uh, et cetera. But. But yeah, so I really look forward. I, I imagine this capital gains tax is definitely not just going to get voted down by the legislature next session. And this is a, a new uh, a new era we've entered. <laughs> it is funny. Rich does say that when asked directly, Jay Inslee, about uh, whether this means we can do an income tax, finally, Inslee said, that's Republican propaganda. We will never do an income tax. So what? There's, your, there's your Democratic front runner right what? there. Uh, what, kind of, what does that Mr. Even Leftist mean? there. Means he's like, don't listen to the the fear mongering by the of right the saying yeah. this is oh, the next thing the Democrats and Inslee oh, are going to do is is yeah. an income tax. You it's know? just assuring you I that I have exactly the same politics as the Republican Party. Do not let them make you think well, for a second. Best, I don't. Such at a best, weird thing to say. At best, it is like a textbook, like acceptance of the. Of the of of an opposition frame, right? Like, of mm-hmm. course, it's not because, yeah. Also, they don't want to do that, but whatever. Um, yeah. Oh fuck them! Like I said, I mean, it's just yeah. The the whole everything. This is you know what it's like being in the neo gilded age. Everything, the entire algorithm runs on class warfare. It just spits out yeah. the same answer every time. You know. Yeah. Bugs, bugs within bugs, bugs all the way down, man. That's us. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, a louse on a cockroach on the, uh, and I'm infested with uh, some kind of super virus. That's me, man. <laughs> well, Moon, yeah, maybe you have something more cheerful, maybe from the Seattle Times editorial page to share with us. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's shift through the newspaper here. Um, so yeah, actually, we have this um op-ed. Uh, titled Invest in Education Research Tech to Build Quantum Valley in Washington. Oh, oh man. I mean, Silicon Valley has, has you know, done so much good for the world, has been such a, a font <laughs> of, of like, let's, let's do it again. All everything. Let's just actually, let's take that idea of Silicon Valley as like, just the nugget, just pure gold, just a diamond that we want to like mine out of the ground again 
I mean, because <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> Let's do that here. Yeah, I mean, clearly uh, they did not read the Californian ideology. Okay, yeah. So uh, this is in the Seattle Times. Nancy Albritton and Diane Harris. And I, I guys, I really love the opening gambit here. This is this is what newspapers are made for. <laughs> Given the option to go back in time and invest in personal computers before their boom, it's a safe bet to say most of us wouldn't miss that chance. Oof, man, got yeah, just got me yeah. tingling thinking about it. Going <laughs> back me. in time, I could have been the rich. Past. I mean, there there is a bit of a difference. I mean, I guess if you're saying like just go back in time and like whisper to myself, change nothing else, I'll be presumably like you know be wiping out all of the rest of my future. I wouldn't even know you guys. I mean, thank God I'd be rich, you know. Uh, <laughs> but um, so yeah, yeah you know, all, all your investments loved ones, in Compaq yeah. and Gateway, right? <laughs> yeah, Yahoo. Um, yeah. The fucking uh, what I love here though is like. Like, there's a difference between, like, uh, getting wise on a speculative investment, and, like, <laughs> in the stock market, yeah, and yeah. the state investing to create a, like, uh, a new industrial zone based on, like, a coming technological revolution. These are not, like, really uh, analogous concepts, even. This year presents us with such an opportunity to invest in quantum information science and engineering to ensure that our children have a promising future, our state expands its economic vitality, and our <laughs> nation continues to lead the global economy. Continues. I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, so citation here. needed there. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm so here <laughs> for this kind of both like simultaneous local boosterism and uh hyperbolic like breathless tech optimism like this is this is a heady cocktail uh i'm all for it i i gotta say that i'm i i'm unfortunately made a little skeptical of this article i mean not to skip ahead but it's written by no less than eight people i think actually there's <laughs> there's contributing authors at the bottom and it's a very long list uh, but Margaret O'Mara not appearing in this at all. Local University oh. of Washington historian and Silicon Valley booster who's literally paid by companies all over the world to fly out to various regions and tell them that, oh, if you just create the proper tax environment, you too can have a Silicon Valley, uh, uh, which is credit to her because she knows it's a grift and it's hilarious. <laughs> you know, get that get that bread while you can. You know, there ain't no money in academia, so get it while you can. But not even she could sign on to this. She's like, this is stupid. I'm out of here. Well, it's, don't it's, don't it put my name on this. The, yeah, she's got a more boutique, like, serious <laughs> line to sell, right? And this is just like local paper boosterism, you know? like Yeah, this is, this is like techno-optimism to the extreme. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, so we're going to invest in quantum information science, blah, 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 for our children to have a promising future. Well, it's like, how's that going to happen? Uh, oh, by expanding our state's economic vitality. Well, our state's economic vitality, as was just discussed, is concentrated in a handful of fucking billionaires and corporations because we can't tax them. 
So (laughs) our state's economic vitality doesn't really have anything to do with our children's promising future because we can't even now where we do basically have the other Silicon Valley here and some of the biggest tech companies and companies period in the world. We can't fund fucking schools in Washington (laughs) state. So how is more of the exact same under in a new technological uh framework going to be any different like how how's that economic vitality going to get spread around Hmm. well Hmm. it is it is an interesting point because washington state as far as the corporations in it and even like some of the jobs available and stuff is much wealthier and better positioned than a lot of other states in this country for this rat race to the fucking bottom that we're all in yeah uh, except for the fact that Washington State also just leaves millions of people like very in like very bad straits, right? It has a massive homeless problem. It's like all these kind of things. It's like obviously having big corporations and fancy tech jobs and stuff doesn't help with any of this stuff. In fact, you might even make an argument it makes a lot of it worse. Yeah, and you know we're about to get into the the tech optimism portion of this and. You know, uh, like, I think we're going to find that uh, there's a missing political economic dimension to their framing of it. You know, like the 1980s, when the personal computer and classical computing class, I, I assume they mean electronics. <laughs> that, that's what we're going to start calling it. We're going to like class. It's, you know, uh, like when did when did rock become classic? New, you know, yeah, new new historical term just dropped. That's crazy, yeah, classical man. computing. That's what we call like seriously, like electronics is a word. Um, but I guess nobody's you'd have to explain that. Um, they're framing this as a new era in computing, the quantum world. So I guess uh, this framing kind of at least makes sense for their premise here. Classical computing changed the world. Recent advances in quantum information science promise to promise major breakthroughs in communications, computing, and simulation that will fundamentally change the ways we live and work. Quantum information science using uses quantum effects to acquire, transmit, and process information. The science has already enabled us to better understand the properties and behaviors, the building blocks of nature, and advanced groundbreaking technologies like GPS, MRI scans, and lasers for surgery. So it sounds like, that being the case, we already have this stuff. Um, <laughs> I, you know, yeah, MRI scans have been around a long time. I feel like, yeah, we're, we're done. We did it. Mission accomplished. Let's land on the know, aircraft okay, carrier. So- <laughs> the the claim here there's gonna be breakthroughs in communications computing and simulation that will fundamentally change the ways we live and work look i mean the avalanche of like tech optimism in an in mm. the world right now on any subject is like is enough to drown yourself to drown the entire <laughs> world in right like and it's almost all complete horseshit like everything to do with ai is bullshit. The entire concept of AI is fraudulent. Uh, from the beginning, it's a giant fucking mistake and misunderstanding. And it's just been the goalposts have just been moved over and over again to now it's just it's just uh means slightly faster, more advanced computers using some new techniques you can do because of a, like a compression of time essentially uh with faster processors. And 
it's just the rest of the language around it and it's just scams right it's bullshit computers <laughs> keep getting faster the other piece of that right is that like the whole personal computer revolution and the internet like did have some advances i mean say i'd say the internet is like a real like major like technological advancement and then the more minor ones of like mm-hmm. uh the computer you see you can have on your at your home and carry around in your pocket these are all advancements made out of electronics and really the like silicon electronics, the silicon transistor, which is like a now 70 year old technology that has basically been tapped. Like, and you can see this where all, all all the like generalized scams of crypto and NFTs and now the AI AI bullshit that like companies are announcing, oh yeah, yeah, we're going to implement AI just to see their stock price, like shoot a few points. And like Facebook, you know, in trying to like figuring out like oh fuck we need something new and spending billions on their metaverse nonsense because there is no other thing to sell like there's nothing left to sell so the question is then like these people want to believe they want they're really telling us like no 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 this is actually going to continue the same pace of like technological innovation down to touching the lives of everyday people is going to continue because of quantum computing, which (laughs) like actually is a different, it actually is a a new different technology from the Silicon transistor from electronics, you know? Yes. Uh, It could be Greg. I saw the Ant-Man movie, so I know Yeah, (laughs) it could like actually dramatically increase computing power. Right. But like the question is like how does that what does that actually mean? I wonder in terms of like the actual use of computers, like how much there is left to sell us. I mean, outside of real questions of political economy, there are a lot of things we could be doing as consumers at our home and on our phones. The major barrier to which is not faster processing; it's connectivity, it's fucking internet infrastructure. Because no one wants to invest in that. So what it is going to do is be different for on the state level and at enterprise. You know, the hype isn't going to turn out how like they want you to imagine it is even whatever they believe, you know. Well, all the competing hype never amounted to what it was always promised to be and all that kind of stuff. I mean, the reason why people care about this stuff and make a big deal about it is because they're major profit centers, right? Yeah. Major profit centers largely just for empty investment. Uh there was an economist named Haju Chang who used to uh, very provocatively state to people, this guy was like a Princeton economist, not like just some fucking weirdo, right? But he used to provocatively tell people that the washing machine was a much more important, impactful invention than the internet or computers were, right? And his basic point was, as far as you think about like what actually changed people's lives and how people yeah. live, right? It did a lot more than computers and the internet because computers and the internet just changed logistics. And he's like, yeah, businesses were able to like cut people out of the manufacturing process. They were able to, uh, you know, up their own personal profits, but it largely came at the expense of others, right? Whereas the, the washing machine aesthetics, yeah, it's like whereas the washing machine, he's like, you know, it liberated women from the household in most countries. Like, you know, it's like that's a big deal. They were like tied to the house in the way they were in the past, right? He's like, that's a huge part of the population that got to live different lives, right? He's like, the internet for the most part, like 
cost some people their jobs. It allowed companies to take advantage of sweatshop labor in foreign countries a lot more efficiently than they could in the past, right? You know, by managing much larger, more complex logistics chains and all that kind of stuff. It's like, so, you know, to what end is that good for anybody, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, you know, unlike uh, software, like the washing machine has zero marginal cost. And like, I mm. think that every single hype point about tech, you always have to, and every single person pushing it, the reason why they're excited about it is not the marketing line is because they want to change lives, right? Like that's all like, you know, marketing and really code replace that just with this can make me a shit ton of money. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. that, that's <laughs> That's genuinely what this is all about, right? Um, yeah, yeah. This will get me computing. Silicon Valley investment money, like venture capital money. Yeah, yeah, right. And quantum computing is real, and I think it has the potential to make people a lot of money. Now, will it? Well, does making a lot of money and profiting off of something or making something so productive, um, does that make actual people's lives better? Yeah, this really comes down to how you actually analyze society and what you choose to value. And I think a lot of supply side uh, economics and economists will view a profit center and economic activity, no matter how it's distributed as a net positive, right. And saying, well, you know, quantum computing is going to uh, disrupt everything. Uh, if, if that means it's the end of an entire industry of labor, fine. But like, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of money to be made there. Right. So ultimately net good. Well, you know, this mm -hmm. Princeton economist who seems to, you know, have a little bit more of like contrarian views in the you know mainstream economic uh, field, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> is like viewing it from a more qualitative perspective, right. A value perspective where uh it's not necessarily about the you know economic activity but the actual value that it brings to people's lives and i think that those are two very different things that get lost in tech discourse a lot um i think people mask especially people who push a lot of tech shit uh they like to mask the second thing to really push the first thing right they like to mm -hmm. mask it with this is going to help everyone when really it's just going to create a lot of uh, profit for a very concentrated group of people. Yeah. And I mean, in the article itself, right in the editorial, they say, quote, it promises to help address pressing issues like food scarcity, drug discovery, mm -hmm. energy distribution, cybersecurity, yep. even climate change. And the thing is, is that like none of those issues require new types of computing. Like the reason why why food scarcity is worse now than it was last year or two years ago or three years ago, and has been getting steadily worse over time, has nothing to do with a lack of internet. You know, like we just haven't gotten enough five G or something like that, right? It has to do with choices made about how to distribute the food surplus, right? The lack of prescription drugs, like in America. You know, people's lack of access to it has nothing to do with not enough quantum computing. It has to do with the fact that we choose to distribute these things based on price. Right. And we mm -hmm. increasingly have more and more poor people. Right. And it's like, so, yeah, I mean, if you want to view economics through the sense of the quality of people's lives, have they improved based off of this thing or that? It's like, 
yeah, these things are going to fail that metric. Now, if you choose to say, has it created a mass of capital right, through investment and other shit like that, then yeah, it's a huge success, right? But yeah. so like so many things, like Silicon Valley Bank was a huge success, you know, until it wasn't, right? Uh, betting on housing in the ni- in 1929 was a huge success, you know? <laughs> well, like, th- this is classic, like, atomic age-ass willful misunderstanding of the role of technology. It's like, yeah, yeah in your science fiction story, all of these technologies, certainly quantum computing, could be put to good use. Sure, I, I, not, but... Yeah, it's not. But it won't. The lack of it's not <laughs> causing the problems we have now. And it won't. I mean, the the one that's most sympathetic in here, drug discovery. OK, they at least like that's like um, that's actually like a, a thing that is situated in the future. Right. Because the rest is just like oh, problems we have now, like food yeah, scarcity. Right. People are starving. Energy distribution. Climate, climate change. change. <laughs> the the. Drug discovery is like situated as scientific research, okay? A thing that could be helped by faster, really much faster computers. Yeah, that could be true. But the problem, like the the real problems facing us are not like how, you know, the techniques we're using to find new drug treatments. It's the like capture of that entire sector of the economy and that part of our health system by for-profit pharmaceutical companies like yeah who, yeah, I, who choose based on profit what to research uh what to produce and then what to gouge you on the price of you know so it's like yeah. this shit doesn't matter yeah, it, yeah i mean ultimately tech is neutral right and that might come as a bit controversial to some people but i truly do believe that you know Aside from the superstructure and the economic base that it exists in, tech is very neutral and it can be used for good and it can be used for bad, but that's all determined on what economic base it actually exists in, right? Uh, If you have technology that exists under capitalism, it is going to be wielded by the capitalist class, the employers of the society, the landlords of the society. Yeah, it's going to be used to advance those ends, right? Um, That means that the people are not going to be really looked after. That's why you mm-hmm. get surveillance tech. That's why you get Palantir as a, as a multi-billion dollar company that uh, aids police in, um, you know, uh, online forensics and investigations, right? Um, that's why, like you said, uh, the healthcare system, which can have like great cures um, to medicine, but that will be entirely commodified and captured and will have, you know, prices be gouged, right? Uh, it doesn't, it, like, drug discovery is something that definitely quantum computing will um, help with because you need to develop new protein, discover new proteins and create them. And you usually have to have a lot of computing power to create and find new proteins. Um, that all will mean fuck all if the price of that is going to be $10,000, right? Yeah. Like that, that doesn't necessarily like help anyone um, in a different society. That would be great. Um, yeah. But we know what to do with climate change. We know to like cybersecurity. I'm sorry, but like, you know, like energy yeah. distribution, these are all things that are human made problems, a computer and technology. This is, I mean, this is like the thing, this is a very like early two thousands take, which I'm surprised to even hear. Uh, in 2023, when this com- 
This entire ideology has been thoroughly disproven to the point where people peddling this shit went into hiding for years because they couldn't speak because it was so blatantly obvious that shit shit blew up in its face, right? Well, quantum. Yeah, yeah I, I, we're just <laughs> we're just saying another catchphrase, right? And the thing is, like the the drug discoveries one is funny because obviously, uh, you know, you could make a very simple case that. More important than any so, you know, pretend future drug discovery would be, I don't know, in the United States, uh, distributing insulin, you know, based on need as opposed to the highest possible profit margin, right? That would have a greater impact than any future drug discovery that we're imagining is going to happen, but not really. But then when you look at the discovery process itself, we know that pharmaceutical companies do very little of their own research because they don't want to pay for it. The research that is done on college campuses and stuff is a lot of times guided by the needs of pharmaceutical companies who are looking for the most profitable things to sell, meaning they aren't looking for things that necessarily are solving global health needs. They're looking for things they can sell to the highest income groups at the highest margin, right? And so you get the kind of drug discovery that America is very good at, which is boner pills, hair pills, you know, that kind of shit, right? Like this idea of like, oh, a, a cure for cancer is just one quantum computer away. It's like, that's nonsense because nobody gives a shit about that. Like, they really don't, you know? Like, when we needed a cure for COVID, right, or they needed some sort of, uh, you know, shot for COVID, right, a vaccine for COVID, no pharmaceutical company in America wanted to do it. The federal government had to essentially intervene and get state universities to do all the fucking research, get it all the way to the point of profitability, then hand it over to the pharmaceutical companies to make money off of, right? Like, that's how you actually manufacture drugs that people need. But as we just talked about, there's no interest in America to do that kind of stuff. There's no interest, like, there's no appetite in America to have state-funded research for pharmaceuticals, Right. Because you're going to find the wrong things. It's the stuff that they don't give a shit about. You know, they want the quick, easy buck, something that's really easy to produce, that doesn't cost a lot of overhead and that you sell to people who have good insurance so you can charge them a thousand dollars a pill for it. And, you know, that just (laughs) it's a joke to think that we're going to solve like malaria around the world with that, you know, (laughs) Yeah, it's fucking stupid. All right. They go on to like, you know, talk about how how poised the region is with all of our, you know, existing tech enterprise and the the training that our workers do have. And and we, you know, how the University of Washington is especially poised. And oh, yeah, that's really what they're asking. They want a bunch of money to like open up a, you know, uh quantum computing center at UW or something. Uh, I'll just read the last paragraph here. Sustained and substantial government funding of higher education, research, and advanced technology has proven to have a transformative impact on high-tech development. Yes, it's made some people very rich. In the past, the expansion of Cold War military defense contracts to Boeing and growth of public research institutions underpinned a Washington state boom. As, again, we can't fund public schools in Washington State. Uh, As competition heats up to develop Quantum Valley, it will require a vision (laughs) for the future alongside the significant and sustained public investment that built the original Silicon Valley. Despite developing the technology and nurturing the people who create it is a long game. Investment must accelerate now. 
with the private and public sectors working together, we will take the required quantum leap. Uh, Beautiful. This article began with quantum uh, leap as the last two words, so they just wrote the rest of it to get there. But, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, interestingly, one of the main writers of the seven or eight writers is uh, the dean of the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Washington. And I mean, honestly, I think for the UW, who's the one technically writing this, uh, obviously, this is just like a plea for money. You know, yeah, I said like the money. Yeah, like these will be fine, like compared to community colleges or whatever. But at the same time, they they also are in a financial crunch, right? Caused by the divestment from the state and federal government and the like. Money, yeah, to be directed specifically toward like flagship programs that are billed to specifically generate educated professionals to go straight into enterprise in yeah. Washington state, you know, which is that, that as far as education goes, the only money you can ask for at this point. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Like forget yeah. going and being like, uh, we need money for like the humanities, like the English department. Like there's not a politician in America who gives a shit about that. They'll, they'd rather spit on your face than fucking give you that money. <laughs> so like, uh, this is all you can do is make a pitch and be like, look, this will help your corporate donors. Like go to your corporate donors Tell them, hey, guys, I know you make all the policy anyways. So here's a pitch I heard. Maybe we can create a quantum valley and maybe Boeing will allow the rep from Snohomish to vote for it. You know, yeah. and we'll, we'll veto it before it gets to the floor, you know, and that's that's just it at this point. Right. I mean, that's that's all you can do, you know. <laughs> I fuck that's what I was doing with the reps is basically saying, look, this will make Boeing happy and they're your boss. So. <laughs> maybe try and impress them like you know uh we should have shown that article brian i'm sure that these fucking nerds were down they probably have this in the seattle times because they went down to olympia and the people just stared blankly at them for 45 minutes and they're like well what if we put it in the times or what about this article you should have brought this article brian also in the times some more local industrial boosterism washington can lead the next sustainable era of aerospace. Hell yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, from Chris <laughs> Raymond, John Holden, we, we, special we led, to the we Times. We led the first era pretty well. Ended it on a really good note. <laughs> right, yeah, right, right, right. Uh, Chris Raymond is Boeing's chief sustainability officer, and John Holden is president of the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, District 751. Uh, guys, what do you say we take Boeing out behind the Patreon shed? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, guys, I- let's continue this uh, on the Patreon. Uh, folks at home, freaks, listeners, uh, you know, if you've been listening all these years and you still haven't signed up uh, for the Patreon, you know, uh, that's where the best content is, where we take the gloves off. And it's also how uh, you prevent us from just giving up because we don't want to pay the $18 a month for Zencaster. <laughs> so if you are going to go sign up for the Patreon because you want to hear the rest of this discussion, it'll be the same episode title but just longer. So jump ahead to this time, whatever time it is right now on your player <laughs> in that episode in the Patreon that you've just signed up for. Does that make sense? Cause the episode is yeah. going to be longer with the whole discussion. 
Okay. And then in the future, you won't ever have to do that again because you'll just have pasted the your own private RSS link from the Patreon into your player and you'll just always get all the content no matter yeah, what you get, it is. You get the free episodes, you get the Patreon episodes, you get everything in one feed. That's right. Okay. Now. And so for those of you that are confused about what Patreon is, what it is is a tape service. And what we do is we mail you a tape of each one of our episodes. And <laughs> you just put it in your cassette tape player and uh, hit play. And you're basically good to go, right? So you're not encumbered by needing the internet or anything like that. Just a, a hot new cassette tape, uh, Maxell, high quality, uh, every week. And the know. other tapes that come in the package, if you don't like those... You have 30 days to return them and you won't even be charged. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so let's see some new subs uh, and we'll see you on the other side behind the paywall. Hey